0: How you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio for 10 years. The number one Irish tech podcast bringing you the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. As well as a show on air with RTE each week and online via the website or your favourite podcasting app. You'll find us on iTunes, on Spotify, on We're on all of them. Uh, We keep you bang up to date with all things tech every single day with hourly updates and daily newsletters. You can grab them for free with our compliments at techcentral.ie. Joining me as always is our Tech Central editor, in Chief Nile Kitten. Uh Nile, uh, it's November already. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, Halloween is is just just behind us. Brrr. Did you did you have a good one? Uh actually, yes, because we didn't get any kids calling at the door, so that was a plus. <laughs> Aha. Well, well, yeah, I didn't get any kids either. Um <laughs> you can I, imagine I know, me at Christmas.
1: <laughs> do you know what? I, I wonder hundred. if this is a thing, right? That you know, we we all grew up in the suburbs. Uh, but you know, grew up and moved away and that sort of thing and it is now so expensive to live in the places that we grew up in that there are no
0: kids Wow now there's a damning indictment of current society Yeah. Yep. <laughs> anyway no Halloween was fine, it was fine, no bother uh, and uh, I think with a lot of people between here and Christmas it's just going to go by like bam, like that Oh yeah, I better start putting together ideas for our Christmas show. I see. Now that's the first thing I was going to ask you because you, over the last uh, year, maybe two years, I love doing a show where we get to pick the presents we would like in fantasy yeah. world to get for Christmas. Yep. And then last Christmas you were the Scrooge and went, "No, we're not doing that." We we did a Christmas no, show. No, you do. We do it every year. Bored. Not doing it this year. Well, we're, we're, we'll we'll do a Christmas show. Yeah <laughs> I don't know when we'll do it, but we'll time. do it. Oh, do you know what? You were the worst boss in the world. That's a great we'll idea. Do. I'm going to file that away. I'm going to think about yeah. it. I appreciate your input. <laughs> pre- I appreciate Good energy. <laughs> See you soon. <laughs> you are one swine. <laughs> well, hopefully. I think around the 25th of November would be a great date or somewhere in and around there to do uh, uh, to do that. Duly noted. Nice. Okay, grand, lovely stuff. All right. Well, listen, uh, let's get on with this week's show. Now, we've got a really, really good interview because it's all to do with GitHub, which is the, uh, the open source uh, code repository.
1: Yeah, yeah. And if... if Anyone who works in software development knows what GitHub is. Uh, you know the chances are if you're using a piece of open source software, it's it's landed on GitHub at some stage, uh, and it, there's a lot of interesting things about GitHub as a as a company and and mm. as an organization uh, in general. So um, I got to sit down with the executive vice president of engineering. Woza. Who's Dana The executive
0: vice president of engineering. There you go. That's some good padding, Dusty. Yeah. D- um, she, d- she was... <laughs> d- d- no, I, I love the titles that they come with. I'm the executive vice president of vice presidents and whatever in America. It's, it's crazy. Uh, but a very nice lady by by the sounds of what I've heard so far, Dana Lawson from West Texas. West uh, Texas. Pray tell, yeah. what is a West Texas lass doing in a, in Ireland for her? She didn't fly over just to chat with us. Yeah, well, that's the very first question I asked her. And pray tell, what was her reply?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, she was in town for the uh, UXDX conference, which took place at the RDS uh, last month. Uh, And it was a great gathering of user experience uh, designers and developers just to come together and to share ideas as to
0: where web design is going. All right. And as well as that, uh, because I listened to the interview, I was fascinated in this uh, to find out more about GitHub and how it works, because, I mean, it is it's a it's a global Resource, And I know the internet is out there and all that kind of stuff, but I always imagine these companies have got a headquarters or an office or people working and and even if they're free, I wonder how they make their money and stuff like that. GitHub has none of that. Uh, Yeah,
1: well, and that's kind of one of the interactions as as an organisation, that it is so distributed
0: and, uh, you know... We'll I f- suppose you should just listen listen to the interview to yep. get the, we'll get find the full. W- let's get straight into it then. Uh, kicking off with uh, Niles, uh, chatting with uh, Dana Lawson uh, from GitHub and asking uh, about a lot of people, actually, ourselves included in tech, kind of get into it accidentally. Her story is a cracker. Here it is.
2: Um, So, like a lot of people in the industry, I kind of fell into tech. Um, I always thought I was going to be an artist. I grew up in West Texas, New Mexico, and Georgia O'Keeffe, who's a very prolific artist, I was like, I'm going to go paint. I'm going to draw. Then I realized I didn't want to be a starving artist. Um, And in university, I took some classes with graphic arts, and this was back in the 90s. And so, you know, Microsoft front page, and I was like, oh you know, computers. And so, um, being a little bit of a rebel myself, uh, the art thing didn't totally work out. So I joined the military and, um, knowing me, that is very, a very unique thing to say, Oh yeah, Dana joined the military. But, um, coming back when you join the U S military, you take a competency test. And I've always really loved math and science in addition to art, you know, engineers get pigeonholed that, you know, they're very right thinkers. Um, I think, you know, I personally think that development technology is a creative a creative game, um, and so, you know, going through that in the military, uh, I, I got the opportunity to have uh, a job that worked within computer systems. So I've been in in the field ever since then. This is my officially my twentieth year in tech, but I've always fallen back to that fine arts um, type type of thinking. of It's a creative it's a creative uh, position because I can we can give a developer a problem and say okay. Um, I want you to go, you know, build a website with this tree on it. And what will happen is they can choose any of their paintbrushes, whether it be Go, Ruby, Java, and any kind of architectural thing to kind of meet the needs of the human. And it's creative on how you approach those situations. And so I definitely think that... um, having that background helps people kind of unlock that. And as more and more teams are embracing the relationship of being at the, at the beginning of the product stage and partnering with design, because at the end of the day, you really want your engineers to know and understand the problem space and, and the, the humans and how they interact. That's art, right? That's, you know, it's, it's, every Everybody has a different opinion on how you approach it, and it's finding the best path for the for the majority, and not putting those constraints. and And I think having teams be creative is key, and so really unlocking that with you know design thinking or um, just you know utilizing some of the 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 tools that we have to kind of approach the problem in a way that they solve it it's all about creative thinking but a lot of times you know that quintessential idea of a a developer is you know that nerd that just sits in there and does math all day and um it's really not about that at all it's about it's about it's about creation and creation is
1: art looking at your background then in the military do you think that instilled in you a a sense of self-discipline that that maybe you didn't have before
2: i mean that's why i did it (laughs) You know, I mean, uh, I, was, I was quintessential wild child, but yet I've always been really ambitious. And I was just looking, you know, I come from a family that we did not, you know, we, we lived in poverty. And so I didn't have a lot of options as far as what was my next step. And so that was one of my ways that I was like, I'm going to break the cycle of, of um, not having to, you know, be so fearful about having money. Uh, And so I needed that discipline and something spoke inside me. I've always been ambitious. And that just really helped me kind of frame it and, and be proud about being able to get things done and own your destiny. And so it really helped me just kind of bridge my free spirit in an intentional way.
1: So your current position has you managing teams uh, remotely for GitHub. GitHub has a very interesting culture when it comes to remote working. So just tell me a little bit about that.
2: Um, You know, we're remote first. We're, you know, we really strive to be the home for all developers. And if you think about the open source working model, it is distributed. You know, coding is truly a team sport. And when you think about the advancements in technology and how things have happened, it has happened by so many people. Recently, um, we had a conference in, in Berlin at satellite and we brought the uh the event horizon team that that took the picture of the black hole when we dug in and saw how many people contributed to that it was like twenty two thousand people had bits of code from all over places from that team to be able to develop that picture now when you think about remote teams and how open sources develop and projects are designed it's already been done. You have you know special interest groups and maintainers, but you have participants participants globally, and we really just model our, our, our workflows like that. And inner sourcing and that style of work is becoming more and more prevalent as um, larger companies really embrace open source. So when you think about the distributed nature, it's really just embracing those work philosophies on how you share and and you collaborate together on on building the best things. Um, so it's not a stretch for GitHub, you know, with our mission statement, it's just applying that to how we operate.
1: One point that you've raised there, sort of in the background, is that of transparency. That if you're working with a distributed team, if you're working with open source software where information is coming in from everywhere, there is always the, the skepticism on the part of the employer, the the assumption that you know your guys. Doing the bare minimum and then watching Netflix for the rest of the day. How do you combat that?
2: I mean, once I, I, I find it to be uh, honestly the opposite of that. You know, when you have an office culture, you find a lot of time if you sit there and, and calculate the time that that people are bullshitting or just walking around or doing anything because they feel obligated to be there and once again coming back to saying that creating digital products and being a developer is a creative space having that freedom to be in your own space in a safe space you get in the flow the flow is real and so I think um, what I've seen is more telling people like okay we have you took a break like you, you've been coding non-stop you've been working non-stop and so treating people like adults embracing a culture that says you own your commitments and you'll find that most people love if they love what they're doing and they're passionate about what they do, and they feel that it gives them purpose within life and it fulfills their needs to make money but but love what they do they're going to do the work and so i think it's about bringing a culture where it's attractive and meeting people where their passions are they will do the job at the end of the day we're adults treat people like adults
1: yeah i think there was a study done that said that if you're based in an office you've, you've got three hours of solid productivity and you much. before you're your attention span starts to stray. But one of the things people miss when they're not working in an office is that sense of connection to another person, mm-hmm. is that sense of collaboration that you don't necessarily get if you're renting a space on your own, a co-working space yeah. or in your home office. So how do you deal with that?
2: I mean, you know, in addition to using, you know, we we highly use Slack, obviously, which once again is still asynchronous and um, transactional in some sense. Is using you know modern video tooling um, you know we have rules like you must turn your camera on because you know what is it 80 90 percent of, of language is nonverbal and so just getting to read that but also getting people in contact with each other we have a great um, little system where it's called mini summit in a box where we've lowered the barrier of entry for people to get together so they don't have to worry about hotels and flights and book and travel so a team goes does a pull request we have a team in the background that that takes care of all of the logistics and they get to go have that FaceTime. Or let's say we have a big project kickoff. If they want to do a hack house and spend three days, get them together because we do an all company summit where we pull the entire company together. And the focus, yeah, is somewhat tactical, but at the end of the day it's socialization. We want people to talk about their lives, talk about and share those details because what you find is when you care about somebody and you have this personal relationship, even if it's minor, the empathy is innate It's subconscious. Suddenly you're like, oh, you know, look, you know, Tom's dog's wearing a a crazy dress and he went skiing yesterday and. And then he needs help, and you, you just feel like you know this person, but you have to work for it. And so, being creative on—you can't buy human interaction. So we always encourage at least in a, in a regular cadence of, of getting these groups together and, and spending time together in person. And then they go off in their own little corners of the world, do great things. And when we need to, they get back together. And it's not required; it's at their own own volition. And and teams, you know, really really choose when they need to do it. But as a company, we do it annually, and we're a pretty large company, so. It's a pretty big deal, but it's important. It's important.
1: Just on a a human level, I mean, if you're based in an office, you're spending 10 hours a day with the same bunch of people. Uh, If you're working with a distributed team, you might see the people on your team for maybe half an hour a day, half an hour a week. Do you find that brings with it a certain energy that people are more forthcoming if they're dealing with each other in small doses than if they're in each other's faces every day?
2: Um, you know, it really depends on the team dynamics. Um, some teams will spend all day on a video chat talking to each. Other. It's almost like if, you know, gamer culture where gamers have headsets and they talk all day, you will have development teams that are just all day, like chatter, chatter, chatter. Like the, the age of, um, of, of video gaming and interactive tools have lowered that barrier. But I, but to your point there, in some teams, it's almost like the time that they have together is more precious. And so they get the value out of it. And it really depends on the personalities of the groups that get together. You know, I think some of the challenges are when you have, let's say you have a whole team of really gregarious extroverts and then you have the introvert, they're just going to not be happy. They're going to be like, okay, this team is chattery. I can't focus. So we try to make, um, it available where teams are fungible and that we can put people where they're going to feel comfortable and they're going to have those connections and they can go and build those. And we don't force anybody to stay on a team, right? To help our product and help our alignment. We want people to move around because then they're building connections, right? You think of it like a spider web. I'm going to go talk to them. Um, So we, we try to work with a person on their individual needs, but there's not one size fits all. Um, It really comes down to how they gel.
1: And uh, when you're looking at sort of the, the, skills people come to in the workforce? I guess, is there a generational factor there as well?
2: Um, you know, I, I think that there's value in, in every generation of skills. You want people that have experienced it all. You want people that have a fresh, a fresh perspective. You want people that are open-minded. And I think it comes down to a shared collective, a collection of values versus skills, right? And so as long as you have a good foundational value piece and a foundation of this is how we show up, this is who we are, It doesn't really matter like, you know, generationally, but um I would say that more and more, you know, the 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 younger generations, they crave that happiness in the workplace. They're not gonna be satisfied um being, you know, put in really a tight box and saying, This is how you're gonna live, this is how you're gonna work. We see this all the time. But I also like to say, you know, the millennials get a bad rap. You know, you'll hear people say, Oh, those millennials there's been radical groups from all ages there was hippies there was beats and we always want radical creative people and so i think it's taking the best of all the generations and just really relying on your culture and what your value pieces are or what makes you successful and sharing the skill set like you know i've been in tech 20 years you know, I feel like I've seen it all, but I learn every day from people that have been in tech maybe a year or two because the world is so evolving and changing, and the speed of information uh, and the way that we share has never been seen before. So you don't want to sit and say I've seen it all when you you don't know what's out there, and and I think you just gotta you just gotta put those 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 biases down.
1: When you're looking at how teams are functioning, do you have any particular red flags that? that sort of allow you to go, okay, this team is really dysfunctional, I'm going to have to split them up. Or, you know, this guy in this team is putting in far too many errors, he's going to become toxic for everyone else. Do you have specific markers that sort of you, you refer to and go, okay, it's time to come up with an intervention here?
2: I mean, I think what you have to invest in more when you have a remote team is really, you know, having that, you know, that manager outlet or that leadership outlet or somebody that you can just talk to that really minds and and, and pays attention to those things. We do, you know, surveys frequently to, to really anonymous surveys to understand the health of the organization. But we really invest too in our manager training. One-on-one should be about the person. They should not be status calls if I need a status, we can do that asynchronously. We can do a written status document. Like I'm not going to waste your time. When we have one-on-ones, our mission is to understand how you're feeling, what are you doing and encourage that best behavior. And so really um, that's a manager's responsibility. And you can get indicators like when there's trouble shipping, when commitments are not being met, but you have to really pay attention and you can't You can't let it go to the wayside. You'll get in a pattern with one-on-ones. A lot of managers will be where it's like, oh, how are you doing? Cool. How's the project? Great. All right. I'll talk to you next week. We really encourage our managers to take it one step further. How are you actually doing? What have you been working on? Not how have you been working. Um, What's your day like? When was the last time you took a holiday? Um, what are some of the struggles that you're having? And I think it's about building that rapport and that, that relationship so that people feel you know, that psychological safety, that they can be vulnerable. And it's a two-way street. You know, leadership and, and managers are human, too. So you encourage that authentic dialogue when there's fear insecurity, Because I think there's this premonition that if you show that as a leader that you're showing a sign of weakness, I disagree. I think you're showing that you're vulnerable and that you trust each other and having a high trust team is what is going to make you successful. And so really investing in in that part in addition to delivery is equally as important to be successful.
1: One thing that technology uh, that the tech sector in general is slated for is the stereotype of, of the young man wearing a blue shirt and chinos. Um, do you find that managing remote teams promotes a more eclectic environment where people are feeling more free to express themselves. Do you think it matters at all?
2: Um, Yeah, I actually think so. You know, I I think that a a remote environment, you know, when you get to work in the safety of your home, you get to show up how you want to show up. And you may have had an, an environment in the past where you've had um, a, a negative or poor experience about being your true, authentic self. And if you're from an underrepresented group, it can be even difficult because some of the things about you innately, not just how you dress, you can't change. Um, and so I think it really encourages that and it gives you that sense of safety. But our culture being built on that, so when we get together, we embrace it. Um, you know, I do not look like a typical a typical tech worker. I mean, I'm covered in tattoos. I have piercings. I'm a woman. Um, you know it's my hair is usually 15 different colors. It looks normal right now. Um, you know, and I chose to work at a place that lets me show up the way that I choose to show up. And so I think by more and more companies embracing that, you're going to see that happiness level drive up instead of saying, Oh, you got gonna wear a polo shirt and chinos. Now, obviously not all industries are there, but you have to think about what are you striving for? What are, what are your goals as a business? And then I honestly hope more industries can start embracing that in a sense that, you know, humans are magical, diverse, a rainbow spectrum of people, allow them to show up and be who they are as long as they can do amazing things. And when you start putting them in these tight boxes, you can see that happiness dwindle and that creativity start to lose. So we fully embrace it. And I I think, you know, me being me and them allowing me to be, you know, the big boss is a representation that, you know, uh, an engineer and an amazing engineer once told me, Dana, like, likes, like. And when you have somebody up there that they see that they're like, they're going to like it, too. And and it's going to set a whole a whole um, kind of cultural standard for be you, be your true, authentic self, because truly, when you get to, you're not going to worry about all that other stuff. You're just going to worry about doing a good job.
1: Uh um- that sort of um, speaks to a problem that underrepresented groups uh, might have in the workplace. Um, how do you create that safe space where you say, look, you know, our general selves look like this, but we know and we appreciate that we're that you have different uh, constraints, different wants, different emotional mm-hmm, needs, mm-hmm. Uh, and you're every bit as welcome and we have the emotional tools to help you.
2: I mean, I think it's about Hiring people that represent that, like putting people in leadership that that already act and behave and model that behavior. Because once again, when you see somebody getting to show up like that, you suddenly feel safe and say like, well, if my boss gets to do that, then I feel like I can do that as well. And I think it's about being very intentional about having that, that representation so that the next generation or the next people that are trying to get in this workforce... Know that they can do it without fear. Now, if you sit and try to have a culture that doesn't look like that, has no representation, there's going to be skepticism. There's going to be like, "Are you sure?" And and in and leadership and the company can say, "Oh yeah, totally." But you're you're gonna have that back rumination in the in your head, saying like, "Really? Is it okay?" So I think about really putting people in those positions and being happy and proud and 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 showing that this is the way that you want people to show up and be, and be themselves is key you can't just say it it's like you know you can't just have the talk you have to do the walk with it
0: and that was niall kitson chatting to dana lawson from github that's almost our show for this week uh, just before we go niall is still with us uh and i just want to get it now uh recorded on the record 25th of november we are doing a christmas show of, of the greatest christmas gift ever yeah 25th of November Dusty Mark <laughs> it in your diary <laughs> Yay Listen remember you can get the uh, lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates daily newsletters and new letters and more at our website techcentral.ie or just listen to us each week online or of course Fridays on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra Until next time from myself Dusty and from Nile Kids thanks so much for listening and as always have a great weekend Get Tech Radio Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com Tech